Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group, which, uh, recording this early, so by the time you hear this, we will have premiered the film A Lady Hyde, film 14 from Desperate Visions Productions, and that will be... Uh, had played at least twice at the Dreamland Cinema here in Sacramento, California. And uh, they're a very cool uh, little micro-cinema that specializes in um, independent films and cult classics and uh, different um, indie film premieres like myself uh, and one uh, Alpha Blue from France and some other good stuff. So... Like in June, they played a bunch of Lynch films, and then in July, they're doing um, a lot of camp films and everything, John Waters and such. So, yeah, good good stuff. So, rocking on that, and uh, going to go the digital route, and hopefully uh, it'll be on different streaming platforms. And as f- fans of Franco Observer Podcast, I will always keep you in the loop and let you know about all that stuff. So, for me, this will be film 14, but for... The benefit of this show, this is film 96. Wow. I don't think I'll ever make 96 films, but Franco at this time was on film 96, and this is Spanish theatrical title of Abrazones Sexuales de una Muerte Casada. That is the sexual aberrations of a married woman. And this is 1980 period of Jess Franco coming out of Spain and the alternative titles uh, Blonde Emanuel was the Spanish registration title Emanuela Rubia and the French theatrical re-edit by Eurocene is the one I'm viewing with uh, guest reviewer Kali today and that is Cecilia and that's the one that's out on DVD for uh, as, as of this time actually no uh uh, anyway, yeah, no, with the version I have has both, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the Blu-ray. I have yet to watch it, but yeah, I have uh, both versions on there, so. But we'll be doing Cecilia on this one. Maybe the other one, too. We'll see. Uh, let's see. French Visa Submission. Cecilia, Girl of Fire. Cecilia, Fille de Feu. Uh, French Video, Victim of Desire. Cecilia, Le Preux de Desire. Cecilia. Uh, German DVD. Uh, Cecilia, unrestrained and insatiable. Cecilia, Hobungslos und Unersalak. I'm so bad. Uh, okay, uh, the Red Hot Cecilia, Eurocene, press book title. Okay, and for Aborazones Sexuales de una Mujer Casada. Uh, for that film, the production company is J.E. Films out of Spain. And the theatrical distributor is Sonora Films out of Spain. And for Cecilia, of course, like we mentioned earlier, the mighty Eurocene out of Paris. And the theatrical distributor, Eurocene out of Paris as well. All right, timeline on this. So the shooting for Abrasonis is early spring of 1980 so we're looking at uh what's this like march or april i believe let me see because the last film was shot in 
March. So yeah, I would think this is about April, maybe beginning of May. Um, and the legal I uh, played Barcelona in. Uh, let's see, it got the legal no- number for Emmanuel Rubia on November twenty second, nineteen eighty, and then it played Barcelona March twelfth, nineteen eighty one. It's the first play date of it, and then Seville April twenty fifth, eighty one. Then Madrid, May 26, 81. Then Murcia, May 22nd, 1982. Okay, so played through there is that. Then they did additional shooting on for Cecilia, the Euro scenery edit, on summer of 82. So basically about two years later. Two years and a few months. Uh, and then that version played as Cecilia Filet de Fieu, which is uh, Girl of Fire, Cecilia, or Cecilia Girl of Fire. And that's May 2nd of 83, about a, just under a year later. And then France, May 18th of 83. Uh, theatrical running times, Spain, 98 minutes. France, as Cecilia, 98 minutes. Video DVD running times converted where necessary. Uh, the VHS version of Abrasone Sexuales, 88 minutes, 33 seconds. And the U.S. Blue Underground NTSC DVD of Cecilia is 104 minutes, 50 seconds. All right. Uh, Writer-director Jess Franco as Clifford Brown this time. Producer Julian Esteban. Director of photography Juan Solar Cozar. Camera assistant, uh, Luis Dura, Colombo, Angel, Ordales, uh, production assistant. Um, let's see, art director, Antonio de Cabo, uh, assistant director, Lena Romay, as Rosa Maria Almaral. So, yeah, she's assistant director on this. That's cool. Uh, editor, Nicole Gutiard, music, Jess Franco, and credited, and Daniel J. White as Pablo Vila. Music recordings and Eros, Eurosonic. Uncredited uh, camera operator, Jess Franco. All right, cast. Uh, Muriel. I'm sorry. Muriel Montase as Victoria Adams. Okay, that's her billing. She's, her fake name is Victoria Adams. And she plays Emmanuel slash Emma Fargus. The two different versions. They retitled the name. Uh, Antonio Mayans, billed as Robert Foster, another fake name, uh, plays Andreas Fargus. And uh, Andreas and Emma's marital surname is never spoken in the Spanish dub, but in the Spanish press book it is given as Fangus. However, this seems likely to have been a misprint. The name Fargus is a common Spanish surname, but there is no such surname as Fangas. Okay, so there's that. Um... We have Lena Romay, plays George's mother. Let's see if George is here. Antonio Vasco, okay. Uh, then Antonio de Cabo, awesome, as the Marquis, Uncle Antonin. Yeah, another return by Antonio Cabo. This is uh, where he's back working with Franco again. He's a very cool actor in the Franco universe. Uh, Jose Valero as Khan. Antonio Vasco as George. Ana Paula as Antonin's girlfriend. And then Cecilia uh, footage adds Olivier Mathot as the party host, Pierre Tellu as the man at party, France Lomé as France Jordan, party guest, Christian Drago, 
Richard Darbo, Euroscene Pressbook ads, Robert Merchick, spelling it correct. All right, so <clears throat> the review by Stephen Thrower, of course. All information from this is called from Flowers of Perversion, a volume two by Stephen Thrower. All right, review. Uh, stylistically and atmospherically, Abronaceis sexualis de una major casada belongs in the upper reaches of the Francopathion, boasting numerous magical and hallucinatory sequences, lovingly photographed in his best elliptical manner. Choice of location is always vitally important to Franco, and he excels himself here, setting the story of love, rape, and jealousy in the house and grounds of the gorgeous Placio de Montserrat in Sintra, Portugal. A haven of luxurious, flower-scented mystery, it's the ideal setting for a film of dreamy, spaced-out languor. The characters, on the other hand, are deliberately less than adorable, and some of the plot developments are anything but. This is the story of Emmanuel, a wealthy diplomat's wife, whom we first see reclining in the back seat of a limousine, flaunting her body to her chauffeur, Khan, out of sheer, petulant boredom. She's played as a shallow, self-absorbed, childish, and vain. Khan is no angel either. Irritated by Emmanuel's teasing, he parks by the roadside and allows his two brothers to rape her. Back home, in one of those gobsmacking developments so common in the Frankie universe, Emmanuel blithely informs her husband, Andreas, that she actually enjoyed the experience. I didn't tell you all this so you'd turn the whole thing into a tragedy. I don't want you to think in terms of killing, punishment, and revenge. Though he's un understandably nonplussed when his wife declares that she now wants sex with other men, having been driven to new heights of passion by sexual assault. Andreas, too, is difficult to admire. He comes across in subsequent scenes as petty and emotionally withdrawn, prone to cynicism and bitterness. As he and his wife begin to explore their newly minted open relationship, his attitude is marred by a constant streak of reproach. She, in turn, is hypocritically jealous of his sexual escapades with other women. There, dear viewer, are your three charming protagonists. So, if you feel you really have to like movie characters, this film may not be for you. What Franco appears to be aiming for is an immoral tale about moral choices, a formula almost Bunnellian in its irony. It's a tough pill to swallow, however, thanks to the film's daunting casual attitude to rape. The story hinges on two sexual assaults, both of which happen to Emmanuel. In the first, she is attacked by her, chauteur, her chauffeur's relatives. In the second, she is assaulted by a gang of four men after drunkenly performing an impromptu strip at a local bar. The first attack opens her up to new experiences, as she discovers the sexual excitement she cannot find in her marriage. The second sends her back to the arms of her husband. We are therefore being asked in the first instance to believe that rape can be therapeutic, and in the second to look upon it as a sort of life lesson for the victim. What artistic justification or can possibly be mounted for such apparently obnoxious notions. Before I attempt to put these transgressions in context of Franco, Franco's overall approach to erotic cinema, we should first unpack the disturbing details of the scenes in question. <clears throat> Let's begin with the rape that opens the film. Emmanuel, who has been sailing on her private yacht, comes ashore to find her limousine waiting at the quayside. She climbs in the back seat and lands there. Let's see, it's a really long thing here. Um, yeah, I'm going to kind of talk about all this when we watch and review it. I'm sorry, because uh, this is all like just so, like, see, like each each uh, scene by scene. Um, 
and I'm sure I'll be discussing that with Kali. So I'm going to kind of skip over that. It's funny, some of his synopsis and reviews, or not synopsis, but reviews, he'll really be more about the overall, and sometimes he goes into just, he, this is very, very second detail. So, um, okay. Uh, so let's see. I'll just basically jump to later on here. Not to mince words, but Franco leaves himself open to a charge of moral irresponsibility. The only defense one can summon is that the fantasy world of the film is so obviously unreal. The story is a dream narrative in which people do things that few of us would countenance contents in the real world. One could say that the story is akin to Arthur Schnitzler's 1926 novella, Trauma Novelle, filmed by Kubrick as Eyes Wide Shut, with its focus on a marriage tested by forbidden fantasy, and in that context, beyond good and evil, one can more readily accept the filmmaker musing on whether rape might, in very rare cases, lead to sexual liberation. But the question is a thorny one, and the film sends mixed messages. To understand why Franco is telling such a tale in such a way, we must bear in mind his lack of interest in realism. For him, rape is just another hot house bloom in his garden of perversion. There's the title. A decadent water lily floating on the phantasmal lake of his cinema. His interest in psychological repercussions is often zero. Um, his 1972 film, uh, Journey of Intimate Sinner, uh, uh, is a rare exception. Uh, he seems to write, or rather direct, as there were rarely any genuine scripts, like a man under the soothing effects of sodium penthol, gently and carelessly allowing the contents of his imagination to roam where they will. His cinema is abstract and effectless. Brutal sex or cruelty float by the aperture of his consciousness as gently and implacably as the characters float across a screen. The trappings of the horror genre, the familiar tropes of crime drama, the venerable cliches of men's mag porn fantasies, are allowed to drift like clumps of algae through the the Missamak dream lagoon of his vision. Throughout the film, Franco employs visual devices that elicit a sensation of drifting, coming unmoored from reality. In the car scene, as Emmanuel undresses in the back seat, he shoots the chauffeur's eyes watching in the rearview mirror, but just as important to the sequence is the defocused backdrop providing, provided by the rain-soaked windscreen. Bejeweling with the soft-focused water droplets and colored by the passing foliage, a variety of greens and reds. The effect is reminiscent of similar scenes in Altman's Images and Scorsese's Taxi Driver. The car steers around a series of bends in the country road, and so the background slides sideways this way and that as Khan's dark eyes flicker back and forth from the road ahead to the erotic spectacle in the back seat as the twinkling, haunting music by Franco and Daniel White plays mesmerically over the scene. We are being encouraged to let go of narrative considerations and enter a world of pure sensation. Uh, The subject matter of open relationships and how to negotiate them is ripe for exploration in erotic cinema. After all, what else does the world of pornography offer to couples except vicariously infidelity, the sleeping around of the imagination? It's an ideal place in which to explore the real-world counterpart. Franco's treatment of the topic here is very much weighted toward the negative, but the fact that the story apparently ends with the restoration of Monogamy is by no means an endorsement of it. Instead, the suggestion is that monogamy is the refuge of the unimaginative and fearful. 
The failure of Emmanuel and Andrea's experiment is due to their lives and lies and jealousy. Their return to monogamy requires them to ignore what they've learned about themselves and each other. In other words, marriage is precisely what the couples deserve. Freedom is wasted on them. It's a pity there is no suggestion that the complexities of open relationships could be more successfully negotiated. Failure is all that we see. The entire experiment is based on deep unhappiness, corrupting it from the start. Patching over a marital black hole with promiscuous sex was always doomed to failure. Emmanuel's loneliness is the true driving force of her actions and is just as likely to haunt her at the end of the film. Despite agreeing to keep romance exclusive to the marriage, she gives in to her romantic yearnings for Khan, and if a rape facilitator like him can be a viable romantic competitor, Emmanuel's love for her husband is clearly on its last legs. When at last the couple return to their marital fold, some might suppose they are turning their backs on extramarital sex. Personally, I imagine they simply take the usual route of betraying each other in secret from now on. Neither can cope with the freedom that they return cope with freedom, so they return to the prison of marriage voluntarily like institutionalized convicts yearning for the safety of their cells. <clears throat> the film's final shot of a vase of cut flowers, in contrast to the verdant subtropical splendor outdoors, adroitly symbolizes their future together, the domestication of wild desire and the neutering of passion. Very cool. I like that. See, I have yet to watch this, so I'm going to be looking for stuff. I like those little symbols like that. All right. Uh, cast and crew. Muriel Montasse, an actress with a pouty, doll-like face, perfect for conveying spoilt, kittenish decadence, went on to work in French TV and became something of a minor, minor celebrity. Playing her hapless husband is Jose Antonio Mayans Herveus, shortened to Antonio Mayans in most credits, a man who would become an important to Franco's cinema as his frequent female co-star Lena Romay. Mayans had first met Franco during the shoot of Night of the Assassins. After that film finished shooting, Franco drafted him in to shoot an extra scene, one for one that was clearly not part of the current scenario, um, Casa of Horror. And Wyans was thus inducted into the director's world of multiple, sometimes clandestine shoots. He made contact with him again in 1979, uh, being invited to join the cast of um, Escaraba de Oro, that's uh, Oha and Honeymoon, um, location scout and organizational lieutenant. He became the rock supporting Franco's impulsive creativity. Uh, Manuel's uncle Antononin, Antonin, is played by Antonio Di Cabo, a Portuguese theater director with whom Franco got on very well. When Emmanuel says to Antonin, this thing with Khan was just plain crazy. It was, well, poetry, and poems are usually very short, too short. He replies, we're the ones who shorten poetry to our own measure. This uncommonly fine dialogue stands out from the functional exchanges elsewhere in the film, leaving me to wonder whether Di Cabo himself contributed it. Probably did. Music. A few basic jazz numbers aside, this is one of Franco's most spellbinding oneric scores, much of it played by the man himself on twinkling electric piano, Fender Rhodes, and simmering string synthesizer, the ARP Solina. Lush, meandering, reflective, ruminant, and occasionally ominous, the music drapes a mysterious drew-led mist over the story and helps to displace the events we witness from the real world into dream space. 
Locations of all the many Jess Franco films shot in the grounds of the Palacio de Montserrat in central Portugal, beginning with Necronomicon in 1967, Abarones Sexuales de Una Major Casada is best showcased for the Palacio itself. It was built in 1858 for the wealthy British merchant and art collector Sir Francis Cook. Visconde de Montserrat, designed by James Knowles Jr. in the Romantic Orientalistic style, the palace is a delirium of tall cylindrical towers, bulbous cupolas, and decorative exotica, incorporating numerous stylistic sources, including Moorish, Gothic, and Italian. The roots of this promiscuity of influence can be found in English romantic architecture, informed as it was by the newly acquired tastes of wealthy travelers at the height of the British Empire returning from colonies in the East with fantastical design requests. Turning the page. Uh, Quite at odds with the sobriety of home. Uh, The gardens are simply exotic and romantic, combining subtropical palms and tropical tree ferns with rose trees and even conifers, a willfully eclectic blend ideally suited to Franco's dreamlike approach to narrative. When we first see Manuel, she's getting into her chauffeur limousine besides the Placho di Sinadella di Cascas, previously seen in Voodoo Passion and Je Brulli de Parto. All right, connections. Uh, when Emmanuel responds to being raped, first with shock, then arousal, and then with euphoric pronounce, pronouncements of sexual liberation, one's first impulse is to gasp. Is this not exactly what the anti-pornography wing of the women's movement claims all pornography is saying? It has to be said that the waters are muddy in Franco's treatment of, his, of this theme. Rape has been depicted frequently in Franco's earlier films, and not always responsibly. 99 Women, for instance, treats lesbian rape as something the victim suddenly gets into with the most crass manipulation possible. The addition of sensual saxophone music on the soundtrack and the shift from raw and frenzy to dreamy soft focus. In that instance, as I asserted in Murderous Passions, the responsibility lay partially with the scriptwriter and producer Harry Alt Towers, whose young wife, Maria Rome played the victim in the scene. Later depictions of rape in Franco's work between 1968 and 1980 are frequent but less, but largely intended to convey horror and brutality. They are less concerned with soft soap erotica and more concerned with violent S&M fantasy. In films like Barbed Wire Dolls, rape is an ingredient in a fantasy world dominated by cruelty and its ethical status is dependent on cruelty as the defining feature of the narrative. That's a good way to put it. Uh, Abronasones revisits two of Franco's most endearing visual tropes, the listless drug party first seen in Dr. Orloff's Monster, and the erotic performance piece, the diabolical Dr. Z in Necronomicon 67. And combines them in one sequence, spicing up the result with one of his favorite condiments, incest. Yikes. A rather frigid acid party intentionally portrayed as silly and boring is enlivened when a guest, erotic dancer Lena Romay, reveals that her nude partner, who sits rigidly with eyes drawn on his closed eyelids, is actually her 16-year-old son. The snippet of information comes after she spent five minutes of screen time flating the youth's fingers. What's more, she cheerily admits that she took her son's cherry sometimes earlier. The scene echoes an earlier one in which the youth was a guest on Andreas's boat, prompting Emmanuel to admit that thinking about seducing him made her feel incestuous. 
Okay. Or as Robert would say, okay. All right, uh, other versions. Uh, in Paris, sometime during the summer of 1982, actor and director Olivia Methot, a.k.a. Claude Plot, supervised a second version of Abrissone Sexuals de Una Major, Casada, released by Eurocene as Cecilia, currently available on Region 1 DVD. The choice of title rather ignores the fact that another erotic film called Cecilia, directed by Jeremy Gold, played, a.k.a. Alan Payette, played in France in the early 80s, early 1980s. Details are sketchy, but it's either Payette's uh, Reine de Votre la Première Fois, 1981, or Je Interdice pour Colossines et Chaleux, 1979. Uh, the difference amounts to approximately 17 extra minutes and a handful of altered music cues. But while the new additions are bearable enough, the tampering with the score is another matter. Three important scenes are infect- affected or infected. <laughs> uh, Montas's nude scene in the back seat of the car is spoiled by the imposition of a twee Bontempi organ solo that sounds like Muzak for a deadly dull church service. And worse, this inappropriate cue then continues over the subsequent rape scene. The orgy scene also has part of its original and very clangorous avant-garde score replaced with the same mediocre organ track. Most vexing of all, though, is the damage done to the credit sequence. In Abrasones, the opening credits play to a continuous sea mist of twinkling abstract keyboards played by Franco and White. But in Cecilia, the music fades in and out while the new credit captions impose freeze frames after ugly freeze frame on Franco's fluid exploratory camera work. On the plus side, Method simply sensibly removes all music immediately after the rape when Emmanuel steps nude from her car to be greeted by her shark, shocked husband, thus giving the scene more credibility. In Abersones, a bucolic guitar theme continues a space, as if Adria's shock is not worth underlying. The additional scenes in Cecilia are as follows. Two, or actually three scenes. One, a flashback, four minutes long, portraying the heroine's trip to Paris. This material must have been filmed after June 16, 1982, because the cinema on the Champs-Élysées is showing On CFO, News au CM by Michael Girard, released in Paris on that date. But alongside it, we can just make out Jean-Pierre Marquis. Which opened in Paris in April 1982. Uh, scene number two, a party scene, that's three and a half minutes, in which Pierre Tellou tries to seduce Montes. And finally, scene three, a daylight shot, nine seconds of Khan looking to the shore from his ship. So yeah, four and three is seven and a half. So yeah, just a little under eight minutes. Several scenes originating from the original Spanish shoot play longer in Sicilia as well. These include, and there are four here. Number one, Emmanuel and Andreas discussing sexual freedom on the terrace at Montserrat. It's two and a half minutes longer in this version. Uh, Number two, the horse riding scene, 30 seconds longer. Number three, the drug party performance art scene includes new shots of Rome reflected in a glass table, a man playing a North African stringed instrument, and Rome doing a partial strip before approaching her son and rubbing his hand on her breast two minutes longer. 
And number four, after the consensual group sex scene at the shack, Khan's brother Al drives the heroine home and leaves her at the gates of Montserrat, of Montserrat, where he tells her that Khan loves her and has gone away to sea because he's a proud man, roughly four minutes longer. So yeah, four, six, seven, eight and a half, nine, so nine, twelve, thirteen, seventeen, yeah, about seventeen minutes, like they said. So yeah, that's all the... Uh, extra stuff on that so alright so that's going to be the information portion on this film uh, I'm going to be watching Cecilia here and uh, do the zoom review with Kali again from Los Angeles California via zoom and we'll talk about this film I think she's a fan of it but we'll see I have yet to watch it so I'm saying it sounds great so I'm thinking I'm going to like it uh, of course you know the routine if you like the show please download and subscribe uh, you'll get a new episode every Wednesday morning when they're released. Uh, if you like the show and you dig it and you know other Franco fans or want to induct them into the Franco universe, tell them about the show and uh, have them check it out. It's always here. More episodes growing every week. And like I said, this is 96, so getting close to number 100. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can via email at our uh, email address, francoobserver at yahoo.com. It's one word, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. We have the Franco Observer podcast page, and we have a Franco Observer podcast page on Facebook as well. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, there's a donation button. If you like donating, do that as well. You can always use the money. Starving independent artist, but you know the you know the deal. All right, so hang out past the bumper break, and I will... And Kali will tell you what we think of Cecilia. All righty, we are back on episode 96, film 96. Uh, the titled Cecilia, the retitled uh, European print of sexual aberrations of a married woman. And um, speaking of sexual aberrations of a unmarried woman, we have Miss Kali Sini with us again. How are you today, Kali? Cheers. I love your intros for me. Thank you. They're always spontaneous off the cuff. I try to <laughs> be a smart ass and a little clever boy at the same time. So. Love it. Good, good. Good stuff. Uh, All righty. Well, um, I'm going to jump in this with two feet running. I literally just stopped watching this about maybe a half hour ago. Oh, no, actually, no, maybe about an hour ago. Uh, oh. So it's still fresh in my blood. Um, I know you've seen this twice now or more. I think like three times. This is, yeah, yeah. Third time this, watching. To me, this is Franco. Francoing is Francoist. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Franco stuff in here. So um, obviously you're a fan of this. Um, I... You know, a thing about me with Franco, I always like the original versions of stuff I find. So, like, if I watch the changed version first, I'm always like, uh, and then I go and see the original. I'm like, oh, the original is so much better. Like, say, Two Female f- Spies with Flower Panties. I like Opala de Fuego, like, a lot better. And there's little things I'm always that way. So, with this, I liked it, but I'm going to go back and watch the original version because there's a few little things that are slight that I think if he changed them the way they originally were, it'd be a lot better for me. I, 
I'm lost. Are you saying it's a different version of Cecilia, the other version? And you've seen that one? No. Well, the Blue Underground version, the Blu-ray they put out has. So this movie was first called Sexual Apparitions of a Married Woman. Uh And it played. And then Eurocene took it, filmed some 17 minutes of new footage and trimmed some other stuff and put that in there and changed some of the names and stuff. And then that was Cecilia. And that's the one. That have you seen the sexual aberrations one? Have you seen the original? Not yet. I have it. It's a special feature on the Blu-ray, and it's out there as well. And that's the original version. Because, okay. like, her is name there, is. There, you 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 imagine that that one is better? Is that your work? Well, just there? reading about it and seeing what the differences is. Although the scenes they added are really good, and there's nothing wrong with the scenes. But just like, for instance, the naming of her character Cecilia, she's really Emmanuel. So oh. this is an Emmanuel movie. It's like a whole nother thing with her huh. superpowers and the wind and the riding the horse and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, it could be a little different. You know, just, just, and it's, and it's slight stuff, but it's just the feel of what he was trying. And anytime, in my opinion, if Emmanuel had been spawned from rape, that's, that's a, that's an angle. Well, there's a scene, I mean, jumping way ahead <laughs> where but I can't remember that one where yeah. she's riding the horse and you hear the winds later on in the movie. She's naked on the thing, doing the Lady Godiva rides with the horse naked and getting off. And, and you hear the wind and the wind all over. And it's like she's this powerful fucking force. And like even Khan standing on the hill watching her and he's being blown back by just her power. And, and it's just circle, circle. She's going back and forth. And it's just she's this powerful fucking, you know, it's like that's Emmanuel, you know, so. Yeah, but like this is like an origin story, and I mean it's spawned by rape, so that's kind of a an angle I haven't seen. I think for Emmanuel stories, I mean I've generally seen that in Emmanuel, but not as like the origin well, story. I mean, kind of like with this though, it's like Franco. I mean, I don't know. This is one thing I'm sure we're going to talk about, or as we're just talk about now. Like with this, it's almost like she's a certain level. And then the rape happens and then un- and like unleashes her superpower or like her thing that she really is. And now suddenly she's this man eater. And even people say, yeah, you're a man eater. There's nothing about you and you're this and that. And everybody knows what she is except for her. It's like she gets her superpower and she does her thing. And it's like, you well, know, she, al- she already had been a man eater. I mean, like the whole kind of wink in this thing is like the she was asking for it kind of mentality, which is. I mean, to me, I find it funny and of the Franco. Well, that's later on with, the, the, but, with those four guys at the end. Yeah, then that's his come no, up. No, that's also at the beginning. I mean, she's remember when she very first gets raped, she's literally lying naked in the back of her chauffeur's car. And she's just like taunting him. And yeah. he's like, no, this time you're going to get it because you've been teasing us and you've been teasing all of us for so long. And he's got like, the guys are going to come and rape her. And, you know, because she's lying there naked, like, you know, taunting them. And, and I mean, you know, you're, you're supposed to be like, you know, no means no. And, you know, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you never want to, you know, these days, you know, you're not allowed to say she was asking for it, but Jesus, I mean, <laughs> you know, well, like, it's you like, cause it's almost like, like it's almost like laying in like around all your, your, your workers, your servants, like naked and just like taunting them. And I mean, it's so like, you know, right. But it's almost played as the class, the class structure of, well, look at me. And she's almost like being bitchy about it where she's flaunting it and you can't touch me. And if you do, you're fired and, and all this stuff. Cause she says, you know, 
don't say those guys' names. We got rid of them. And he's like, well, you got rid of them because you were walking around naked and, and they saw you and then you got them fired. So it's almost like it was a game to her and she didn't actually suffer the consequences or take the retribution or whatever for those actions. So then when it does happen, she's like, what the fuck, you know? And then it's like that whole switch, which that's a whole other Franco thing that he does all the time with the woman that, you know, yeah, the whole power play of the money and all that. It's funny. I'm like envisioning a Kardashian getting attacked right, right now. And it's kind of awesome. Well, it's <laughs> funny because about, like the visual I started getting in my mind. It's like, yes, I would. That opening that. shot that reminded me of, also uh, not. <laughs> of uh, a Rolls Royce baby where uh, Alina's in the back seat and she has the chauffeur drive her. That's what first thing I thought when I watched this movie to start. I'm like, oh, this is like Franco doing Rolls Royce baby instead of Detroit. totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I got that vibe too. I've done, I mean, I'm always going to think of that. I love Rolls Royce baby so much. I just, yeah, it's such around. a junk food film, but I just love it. It's just so stupid and it's dumb, but it's just so good. It's just, it's just such yeah. an easy watch, you know? That roller girl and Boogie Nights whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, so yeah, so like, so that whole thing before we go into the film, but yeah, like that whole thing of like, I mean, shit. Even she fucking after she has sex with Khan, she wears his coat, which is like a cape. She's walking around naked with a fucking cape on, so she's like a fucking you know super fucking you know super sex woman. She's like a succubus or whatever, you know. Love her. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, Love so anyway. succubus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that whole stuff, and then and of course in the end with the whole stuff, but but yeah, it's just like. uh Forgot where we're going with this conversation originally. Oh well, you just brought up the Emmanuel thing, which I oh yeah, totally, totally. That was the other angle of this, and I was just like, I mean, because the Emmanuel stories, it's normally like you know she's a sweet, innocent girl, and she's questioning her sexuality, and she's curious, and she right explore and i mean if this was emmanuel's origin story that would be pretty extra but there's so. also tons of other spinoff emmanuel's and franco had even done another one or two emmanuel's before this he had that one that he changed the title and it was um uh, i can go back and look later but so so it's like and he's and using that name. he did lots of great emmanuel's yeah and then there's all the other knockoffs too so i mean emmanuel just the name is like a sexual name like say ginger or like some kind of a you know five or six things you could throw it up yeah no i mean i've seen dozens of the emmanuel films i'm just the the rape is an interesting um yeah i mean that connection is one thing i mean this this movie is an interesting i think it's probably a pretty polarizing film like i i I don't know i'm interested that you were you're you seem like you're not as affectionate toward this film and so when you said i was curious if you were gonna like expressed that you were not down with the the premise and i was going to be surprised at that but it doesn't sound like it's that it sounds like it's no okay actually i'll just tell you in a nutshell before we go into the film and break it down all that stuff what i liked about this film was it's very beautiful and and it's great music and uh, acting's good there's some uh, uh um antonio DeCabo is great the old guy that plays the uh, marquee is great and and the shot and the locations all this stuff blah, blah blah like we always say but to me, he some of the scenes go on way too long. A lot of the sex scenes just go on. And I know it's supposed to be a sex fantasy film and stuff, which if it's called Emmanuel, then it is a sex fantasy. But to me, it just it was a little bit too long. It's like an hour, 45 minutes. But uh, I felt they trimmed it down a little bit. And uh, I don't know, it just felt a little basic. You know, it wasn't a lot of, there wasn't that extra magic to it for me. You know, um, I liked it. It's not one of my favorite Franco films, but I did like it, but it's not on, on a list for me of like, but a lot of people are like, oh, this is one of my favorite Franco films, and I really like this film and, and stuff. But yeah, I, I just, like I said, 
I liked it, and I'm sure I'll watch it again, and I'm going to watch the original version, but it's not, like, one of my favorite, favorite stuff. I feel like there's you know? so many things in here. I was I was expecting you to, like, swoon over this because of all the... I mean, there's a lot of checkboxes on your list. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, but, you know, just because... Pretty you're... great strip scenes. We get, I mean, Lena and, you know, the um, uh, Cecilia strip, and then, I mean, there's, like... Well, yeah, I know. I know. We'll, 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 we'll zooms in oh, on, yeah. on Lena's pussy. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. A mirror shot of Lena. I yeah. was like, that's like some kind of like bingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some moments, you know, it's got its charms and, and it's so beautiful. I mean, oh, yeah, so- no, it is. It is. And the black woman. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Damn. yeah, it's funny. She's like a sexual Ooh. surrogate because, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go into all that. Um, so uh, what I liked first is um, uh, all the fake names. So uh, um, Muriel Montasi. So she's in Sicilia, and she's also in a the Inconfessible Orgies of Emmanuel, which is like about ten films <laughs> after this. But she's billed as Vicky Adams in that one, and the other lady that's in. Uh, Voodoo Passion, she's built as Vicky Adams as well, that blonde lady that's on the cover of uh, Thrower's book. This lady right here that's in Voodoo ah. Passion, she's Ooh. built as Vicky Adams as well. So that's a fake Franco alias. But in here, she's uh, Mary Monty, which is funny. And Franco yeah. has the name of Claude Plot, A.L. Moreau, and like one or two other names. I was laughing, all the fake names in the beginning. And then it says, Adjust Franco's film yeah it does that was weird like <laughs> it's name and you're saying it wrong like how did that happen yeah that was really strange jess he, franco's film yeah because he never I uses just, a jess franco film which he could but he uses a jess franco's film yeah i took a picture of that with my camera so i was laughing i was I, trying I, to figure out if that was like broken english or something maybe you know yeah it's it's a uh, improper yeah english from the from their side um and uh what I liked too was uh, the title oh, sequence. Did you watch the German version and with English subtitles or? Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, actually this one was French with. I watched the English subtitles definitely. Yeah, French with English subtitles. So yeah, I, I had to do the. Was, I didn't have any subtitles, but um, I the the audio is in French or German or English. And so, uh, I mean, I, but I did actually for like some of the um, <clears throat> rape scenes, uh, I listened in um, the German and in the French just to listen to the differences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, it's, it's like the dub for English is so terrible, you yeah, know. Dub, I listen to very last always. Yeah. I have to. So I was kind of like, how does this actually sound like? Because, like, you know, you kind of want to hear how that plays. Like, and it is actually more nuanced. Um, and and better and more like um, potentially possible sounding. I mean, because the yeah. English, you know, she's basically like, no, 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 and then she's like, oh yeah, uh, wow. you know. Okay, yeah, I know, yeah, I wouldn't. Think and that. so it was, it's a lot more subtle with the other languages. It's it's more like you know, she's like, no, no, mm-hmm. yeah, it's more, <laughs> more. Uh, Potentially, uh, you know what I mean. Right, right. It seemed more more plausible. Speaking of with that plausible, first scene, yeah, yeah. So we have uh, they mentioned the three employees, and there's actually two of them in the car, and those two guys they have the scene with her and them where it's a rape scene, 
but it's more of a sexual assault because the guy doesn't really penetrate her. He just keeps his pants on. They kind of like grab her boobs and simulate rape. And that was Franco showing it with not being overly graphic or anything, you know, that scene yeah. in the, in, in, in the back of the car. Um, and uh, then afterwards, no, I mean, she definitely gets raped in the back of the car. There, well, yeah. I mean, but you don't see the guys like bare ass, like, like in other sex scenes later on where, you know, they're having sex. And here it's like the guy's pants are all the way up. I mean, he could have I mean, had a zipper down. Flies his, down. It seems like he's fucking her. I mean, right. But it's like more implied than shown as the other scenes are later on where you see naked bodies on naked bodies. And it's, you I know. guess, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Cause like the sound of it, I don't know. To me, it looked really like it was pretty, but mental. you know what I'm saying? I mean, the guy had his pants up, his shirt on and, and, and the other guy had his shirt off, but they're not, you don't see their fucking dicks out or fucking, you know, he rubbing was against her. Slamming into her. I don't know. I, got I just want to say I love that like it cuts right from them fucking raping her in the back of a car seat to a beautiful lily pond, like yeah. out of some, you know Which is like from a virgin among the living dead. I think it's, it's like the same lily pond. like painting or whatever. You know, like there's like this I don't know about living dead. I mean, I was thinking it was like a one of those Renaissance paintings, like like you know, with the, well, remember in the end of the movie, they go walking into that palace and the nymphs kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like immediately, like you know, just playing and frolicking in the in the pond, and she's swimming with her rapist. It's all happy because now they're all lovers and they're together, and that all just like worked out. <laughs> so that was like the weirdest transition. Like she literally went from being raped to just playfully like swimming in a lily pond with them, like a beautiful. It was like some Greek. Right. And she's like in her own world and she's like kind of like real relaxed. She's very yeah. relaxed. She's like, in oh, her own zone. Wonder- she's in her own world. Yeah. Literally in her own world. She's she's separated from the guys that are doing their own thing. And then like they swim off or something and you think they leave her, but then she just kind of like looks around and then she gets in the car and like drives home naked. And uh and when she gets to the gate, we see our first cool headband. I've noticed this film's running theme of cool headbands. The guy opening the gate has a weird headband out of nowhere. I was like, okay. And she drives through. <laughs> and then the other headbands just kept back as uh, I'll call her or um, uh, Cecilia wears the um, uh, leopard headband during the uh, drug party scene. And then Lena Romay's son wears the other big white headband. I was not clocking any of that. I, I guess I didn't. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I have a weird eye for certain things. Yeah. <laughs> so it was 1980, point. 81, I guess. So maybe he was just big on the headbands, you know, because they were cool, yeah. physical, Olivia Newton John or Flash Dance or something. I don't know. But we were sweating to the oldies then. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, he was, he was yeah. the headband. Um, but yeah, I thought those were cool that. Um, what else did I see? Um, oh, what was cool too is, okay, so after the swimming. She drives back to her house naked and tells what's going on and stuff. One thing I really liked about this was his shots. He had really good shots in this film. And cool is you see their bedroom and he frames it behind. It almost looks like it's bars. Like their bedroom is like a prison or like a cage. And it's very sterile. They don't have a very good sex life. They're kind of plain. And he hits a camera and you see the bars with their beds right behind it. And uh, which is great because that's her breaking out of the cage and, and you know, having her passion and she talks about how she really loves the guy, but she, the fire's not there, basically, you know, and, and the fire is reawakened by these other guys. So, yeah, if you go back and watch it again, 
check out that shot when she goes to the bedroom and you see it later on too in the yeah, i hadn't noticed the bar i mean because when they were talking about all that they were they were outside on that porch like yeah know? well after that they they go back inside after that scene where she pulls up and gets out it goes to the house I was actually going to ask you, I feel like you'll, you will know what, what is, what did that porch scene remind me of? There's that other porch scene where they're having a deep conversation in a different movie. I feel like you're, you're. Well, that location is the Montessorette St. Prowse and it's used in like a bunch of Franco films. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of scenes like that's that. I think that porch is in slaves. Uh Dyskoven, that one, and then I know it's in uh, Succubus. It's in that film, and it's in a few films, three figure films. So if you if that location, basically, but another okay. movie that's non Franco, um, I'm not sure. Okay, no, 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 it's Franco. I was okay, just yeah. recall. I was like, what, why is this so familiar? And I felt like I remembered a woman like explaining herself to her husband, and that same about something similar. And so, Probably. yeah, I was like. Jason will know this, and you yeah, do. So yeah, <laughs> you know that, and it's also, and also to the that the ground. Like I mean, he's 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 filmed quite a few films there. Uh, the Amazon's movie that we watched down at your place, uh, the whole misty trees. You could tell those are the same misty trees from that area. Oh wow! Uh, like where the porches God, your are. Your memory stuff. is frightening. Oh yeah, yeah, I know it's good. There's there's a lot of that stuff, and I can tell. Oh, there's that. There's this. There's that. Because there's a shot where you first see his kind of place where they live, and almost looks like um, a Fu Manchu's lair. And I think he used that for a Fu Manchu film long time ago for a for a, a, a far away shot. So I'll have to go back and check. But yeah, I totally laughed about that. Plus, in the book, they go, "What does he do for a living that he can have that type of a house?" You know. Right? Is he yeah. like the may? Is he like the fucking president of that area, or is he like some big drug runner, or, or what is he? You know, shit. Yeah, yeah. They never really. I don't think they clarify. I mean, well, there was some talk of like his family and the family business. Yeah, his dad died. Yeah. They mention or some, so he might have an inheritance from his father. Yeah, good, she good said. Call that, and think about that. Yeah, she said she. Uh, you know, she she went. She's like for the first few months of our marriage. You know, I didn't. You know, we were. Uh, fucking constantly kind of like language and she's just basically saying that they were all over each other and she could barely sleep because they were always at it and then time went on and now they've been married for two whole years and you know it's it's gotten stale <laughs> which is right, like right. funny because i mean really two years like and you're already like snoozing on and i mean he's cute like you know like i mean like it's not that's a weird like if you're that passionate, I don't know. I mean, I've been in relationships like you know, isn't die in two years. Like there's a seven year itch, but like right. Well, with her though, I think she was probably. <laughs> I mean, she, she, you know. she loved him, but she wasn't in love with him. I mean, she she loved him in, as a person, but that that sexual desire, I think, was dying because he was probably just the same routine, and and she probably just got burned out or whatever. I don't know, but yeah, I, I hear you. Two years is is pretty short, but yeah, it was funny. But, but he yeah. watched, so he, he yeah, like was like, fucking no. real slow and, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, you know. <laughs> slow isn't always bad. Slow gets a bad rap. But okay, if no, I, I, Dave, I'm not saying that. I'm, slow is better. But so, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so, um, so, yeah. So then they get excited and they fuck uh, after all that. And she now is all fucking into it. And she explains to it like, like we talked about on the porch and stuff. And I like that scene because she's trying to tell him, hey, man. Something in me awakened, and I'm not telling it to make you violent or want to kill these people. I'm just letting you know that 
this is what I am. And we could try to have this relationship where you love me. I love you. And you can see who you want to see. And we just tell each other about it. And she's kind of setting up these rules and how she wants this perfect society to be. And it's very disod and very open and very fluid and everything. And it's, you know, but it's, it's also really great because it's a, moral story about immorality or morality or however you want to look at it so it's almost it it really weaves back and forth between you know i think the conversation is actually really well done in that thing because it it actually reminded me of my well ex-husband when i would try to have that exact conversation and i mean the the things he would say to her the you know the shootbacks the i'm not enough for you you know you're over me like just just say it you know and i was like and she's like, no, I love you. You know, you are like my guy, but right. I just think maybe we should, you know, explore the things. And then if we return to each other, that means our love is even stronger. And the guy is like, oh, God, you're mine. you know, I don't, you know, and he's like not buying it, but it, like, she's sincere. And, and, but like, you know, I, I was like, I've been there. I've had that same conversation. So I was like having almost deja vu, like watching that and yeah. definitely like feeling the, the reality, like it, it felt, it, it felt sincere. It hit home that I thought it was like, and I, and I felt like probably Jess had had that conversation. And like, I bet like, you know, he'd tried to like, kind of, have that and and so i felt like that that dialogue was like coming from a place of experience and real i know that you're like you know oh yeah no totally totally god and all that but it's like i do think like he must have i mean how wonderful must have been when he like had that conversation with lena and she was like yeah totally on your same page like that must be just so also too that's like with lena and her ex-husband and lena being on film and doing things she did and then breaking up with that husband and getting with jess and then them probably having that same thing. And then Jess too, looking at himself of who he is and Lena and maybe feeling not adequate or something, maybe feeling some of the same jealousies that that guy character has or saying, Oh yeah, I'm doing this and that and, and lying, you know, and, and saying, Oh, I'm all these girls when he's really not just to try to keep up the illusion or whatever. So there's a lot of common male, female or uh, whatever uh, type of things that people go through as well. Like you're talking about really good, you know, relationship stuff which you know is very common and stuff as well yeah i mean to an extent i mean the whole well, polyamory thing isn't i guess that common but and it's like a very well, I mean, weird yeah kind I mean, of bring yeah. up with your you know lover but i mean yeah i guess it's common in common in that well, lifestyle or whatever i should say yeah I'm not calling it joe we're californians to anyone yeah i mean i just more in, like okay this is a type of relationship and there's nothing whatever you know but yeah it's like but also it shows that even if you think you set up the perfect thing in the end sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you want it to be so and that's kind of yeah. what this film's about which is also very similar to eyes wide shut there's another franco film that we talked about before that had eyes wide shut kind of a vibe to it as well i forgot which one it was but i remember that yeah 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 so that's kind of cool watching that uh because that's based off traumaville and that was kind of kind of similar to this um yeah that's a that's that that movie is legend yeah that was funny that that conversation (laughs) tom and nicole (laughs) and we have Uh, so i feel so good for her that she like got to move on from that oh yeah yeah (laughs) now she'll be an aquaman too no um but speaking of aquaman too uh we have uh um, Antonio de Cabo enters as uh, 
the marquee. Antonio. Yeah, he he he's really awesome, and he's somebody who I've really been liking watching the Franco films and watching him. He always comes in and like steals the scene. He's always like the best actor in, in the fucking scene. He's very funny. And this, he goes, "Oh yeah, um, I'm your grandmother." He keeps calling himself uh, her grandmother, and uh, he's the a marquee. So he's almost like the Marquis of Sade. And like later on during the orgy, he's like overwatching everything and not participating, just kind of sitting back and. He has that girl that's always on his lap and he kisses her and stuff, but he just kicks back and watches them do the thing and just oversees it. And, you know, so yeah, he's a very cool character in this. Oh, and he wore the striped suit when he first came on. I started laughing because we had talked about that before as well. Yeah, so. you're, you're obsessed. I, I'm actually starting to notice the striped suit thing because you're so obsessed. It's funny. Yeah, no, yeah. those are great characters. In this. I really like the gay guy. Um, like, you know, he's, he's so flamboyant so out of control it's just yeah he's i i love the well i mean the voice that they do for the english dub i didn't listen on the other ones so i don't know how he sounds um yeah i listened to the french one so i didn't listen to the english dub okay um was uh there a guy who was extremely gay no really no, he just kind of talked almost normal, actually. Just talked with, he didn't have any, really, or any, like, ah, I didn't do any goofy stuff at all. No, oh my gosh, like, I kind of want to watch this again, like, and like, without even uh, that, that's crazy. Because, I mean, the whole, like, well, okay, not to jump, I got to jump ahead. Um, when she gets raped that last time, and yeah. it's you know, horrific and all that, you've got her gay guy, like, kind of joking and laughing about how it like he, he's like oh we didn't think you're gonna wake up you're fine though oh god you? not at all he's very very low-key in the other one he's like hey your <laughs> husband's here we didn't think you were gonna wake up oh my god yeah it's yeah. so surreally jovial like oh haha you're waking up from your rage yeah, no, see because that's funny like the english dub i was like i was like really thrown off by that like really that's how you approach your friend who just woke up from like an insane assault like <laughs> it was like the yeah no that's crazy super like like yeah like his whole time i was i was kind of wondering if that was i i can't uh, yeah i i always want to like click over to the other you know track the other audio track and like because it's so weird with the english dub you're always like is this really the intended yeah uh, no, like i say english dub's always the worst of the worst it's, always <laughs> you know? more, it's, it's like a comedy it will make anything into a comedy and it just it almost smears your you know so surreal yeah that's funny but yeah no no because that's why i like in this is he's very cool i mean he, he's gay he lets himself be gay and stuff but he's not like limp wristed in this he's not this and that he's just a fucking he's almost like the fucking like the big boss or something you know in this which is pretty funny yeah yeah because he's the no, marquee he's, he's like he's like the best character but it's like it's weird i mean even with the accent it's super i wanted to make sure like that was the same guy we we're talking about because i was like maybe i'm like because yeah, yeah no, totally that's totally funny so i'm so tripped up right now that's funny. <laughs> weird yeah, that's funny that we watch the different versions and you you can, it's good we're talking about this. I feel like people will watch this and like, you know, it depends on the version that they watch. And the like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, this is crazy because you have two films basically. So you have two of those versions. And on really top of that, you have the subtitled and the dubbed on the both of those versions. And those are probably totally different. So, you know. Yeah, you really get a different sense of it just based on the language. And that's, that's it, you know. It's such a, it makes you think of like all the other movies that you've seen that are 
you know, dubbed and, and even though they're dubbed well, they're not like, uh, you know, you have to wonder like if they're still conveying what was originally, you know, it's not always Michael Haneke's like funny games, part one and two, where it's the same thing, you know, in different languages. Other times it's like this, where it's like, you get a totally different vibe and, and a whole different character because of the yeah. language. No, that's, yeah. That's why dubbing is so important because most times it's always the joke with the Japanese film, the dubbing being really bad or, or, or this or that. But to me, Proper dubbing is so important. Otherwise, don't even do it if it's done in a joking way or if it's a one person doing all five voices or I don't know. It just it just ruins the film. Yeah, it's like it seems like from what you're saying and his character and the other one, it sounds like they were like taking the piss on on the American version. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. We're just like having fun with like Jess will never even hear this. Let's just like yeah, exactly. I just I just shit all over the film. Yeah. So it's funny. I noticed. So then uh, during that sequence, uh, her husband goes to bed with uh, the uh, black chick from the dinner sequence. Ah, yes. And uh, I was laughing, though, because you see his his wedding ring is on the wrong finger. He has it on his middle finger instead of his other finger. That is some detail noticing. Yeah, I noticed that. And I noticed they don't have a headboard, but they have these cool drapes going up the wall behind the bed, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's a place of the headboard. This like giant. uh, Oh, then I like the scene, too, where uh, they're fucking this and that. And then she gets in and then the two women kind of uh, uh, wink at each other and give the little like nod. Like, all right, thanks, man. You know, like it's all part of the plan because it's all deception with those sequences. Um, and then we have uh, that the scene, though, with the I mean, can we just languish for just a moment? Yes, with like yeah, you know, when he goes and, you know fucks the black chick and how like hot that is she's just oh she's yeah no she's pro i mean not not count lena i mean i i liked her over the main character definitely i mean she was she was really hot (laughs) yeah she just had this like yeah her cool ass quality like she just had this like her divinely chill vibe and just like her above it all kind of like she was like above everything she just had this like omnipotent well, yeah i mean she was almost not like a person she was just like this sexual thing like she knew what her position was she was just there to have a good time she was in on the whole game and she played every, and they were like playing right. that guy and touching and she was controlling everything later on when she's in the orgy she's like sitting with that guy she knows that she's almost they're almost like the king and queen him and her you know or yeah two queens, you know? <laughs> but yeah but yeah yeah Although I did actually have several thoughts as I watched it, like going through in the whole, the way that it plays out with her, especially toward the end, you know, like I kind of got this, like, it it did cross my mind that maybe they had like chosen to use a black woman to make it more, um, uh, what is the word? Um, like, uh, like it was it was more okay for them to uh just sexualize like to to um what is the word when you uh fetishize and you you disengage from the human you know right, like right almost uh, like uh, um 
not, when not a downgrade, but you're looking at word for it. it's escaping me right now. But like, it, yeah, it, it, but my my point is that it was sort of like they were like treating her like an object more uh, than. Right, um, right. It was more of a fetishistic of. Yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, I and, and I felt like they, they did get some license with that because she was black as if like their relationship was more like sort of, you know, like there was a certain level of that i I don't know i just feel like i feel like it should be said if we're going to talk about this movie because it's just it was like i kept kind of feeling that in the vibe of it especially toward the end when like you know she's asked to make the choice between like you know her girlfriend and her lover and and she just dismisses her like she's not even a person and it's like I don't know. It's like if you have a lover, like at least like I don't know, have a talk right. with you're, her. You're right. That the the it is kind of dismissive, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of just sort of like like she's just this, you know, like a. Well, like I said, she's almost like, not a person. She's almost yeah. like yeah, she's almost like a thing, but not a thing as in a being. She's almost more of a concept, in my opinion, because right. she is a sexual surrogate. And then actually, there's a lot of sexual surrogates in this film. Uh, yeah. she's a sexual surrogate because she's she gets them two together and she's with the husband and then she steps out and puts the hand where it's supposed to be or the other he does it with her and then switches her in and it's all a thing and later on in the film when she's making love to uh, cecilia cecilia is basically uh, nursing from her breasts and she's petting her <laughs> head and she's like nursing her and it's like oh, that's that's right. mother, you know and i was like oh that's a very yeah. mother you know thing and then also to lena which we're jumping to i'll jump to now or actually uh that's a little bit later, but yeah. And then Lena, of course, sucking the sun. That's a whole other thing. We'll get to that. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. We need to but in the beginning, she's sucking his thumb and there's like <laughs> sucking his thumb and then sucking on the tit. And so there's a lot of that, you know, sexual surrogate stuff in here. Um, but before all that, we have the dinner party and party number two, where uh, both setups um, where you have the, the boat. Oh yeah. Where we were, we first see Lena on the boat. Um, Lena's sleeping on the boat and you see her with her blonde wig and uh, you see the young kid right driving the boat and I thought of oh I wonder if that's a reference to uh, a captain of 15 years that movie Franco did about the 15 year old boat captain I don't know maybe it's a stretch but yeah (laughs) (laughs) my tugboat captain as yeah. Gallagher would say about the Velvet Undergrounds well actually because the kid is 15 no the, the kid's 16 in this and Franco did do a movie called A Captain of 15 Years about the 15-year-old boy that, that rides the ship, and it's like a big ship movie. It's, it's decent. you know. It's a family film, but yeah. So, and he's actually 16, so it's pretty close. Um, but uh, yeah, no, and then I like, so there's a nice sequence where we go from a shot of Lena's crotch in the white bikini to a, to a, a mirror shot of Lena's face upside down where she's doing the party sequence um see i'm so glad that you caught that too because that when i was like if jason doesn't orgasm over this actual transition like i don't know what we're even doing this for because i was just like i was so obsessed like i was like that really just happened like i mean that was just so great too and they're like they're on the boat which is already like a franco thing they're on the freaking yacht on the ocean body water you know there's so many check marks just like bam 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 and like what they're talking about and they're talking about like you know how they're gonna like they're they're, they're, like joking and giggling all saucily about how oh you know he's like 
that girl was, you know, like she, she wants me and, and all this. And she's and the, his girl's like, Oh yeah, I could, you know, hook up with that guy. Or like, they're like all like jokingly, naughtily talking about like how everyone wants them. And then they're going to fuck other people, even though they're like totally in love with each other and married. And it's all super hot, right. like dream, you know, dream relationship. And then like the whole entire time, Lena is lying there, like prop. <laughs> I don't know why I can't find words right now. I, I want to say that she's lying there prostrate, but that's not the right word. That's her. That's a pro, pro, anyway. She's lying there, just totally spread out, right? And and like with her bikini and her, you know, legs are spread open, and and she's just joking. Oh, let me in on the joke, whatever. And Franco zooms in on her pussy. I just said for no reason either. Just zooms in our crotch is great. Yeah, yeah, just well, just to remind us that like you know her sex is like you know longing and wanting and and right there for them and and you know it's pulsing for them. And then it just cuts to like Lena's face in a mirror, which is just so frank. Like this movie Franco is so hard to me. It's it's so Franco because I mean he's like going the off on you know the whole polyamory thing and then just like laying into all of his stuff and like doing all of the things that define him yeah we're gonna run out of time for yeah that's coming up to a break uh but actually this is a good break because then we're gonna go into the uh party sequence where we see lena's magic tongue in action so hang on just one second all right all right we are back after the magic of the f zoom zoom so um, oh, yeah. So anyway, speaking of magic, so we have Lena in the magic tongue scene. Um, that was a good transition uh, where um, what I liked is that Lena's whole scene of her licking and doing the magic tongue, how everybody was just fascinated by her doing the magic tongue. That me was like one of the most stupidest scenes. and I laughed so hard. It's just so dumb, you know. Yeah, I mean, and then it gets uh, pretty leveled up when you realize it's her son. Yeah, because first she sucks his thumbs and he's just like a statue. You see the painted on the eyelids, which they did that in another earlier film, too, before. And then you see her head go down. You don't see it, but she's basically blowing him. And then he wakes up when he comes and then she kind of comes up and she has her mouth closed and she's, you know, simulating like she has a mouthful of jizz. And then uh, you realize that she um, that he blew a load in her and then she talks to the people after about it and she says oh yeah it was a uh routine i did with george or whatever and then we find out that george i guess was his dad or something and that she had him when she was 16 or when she was 15 and now he's 16 which makes her 31 and uh yeah and then they kind of look at each other like whoa so then we get into the whole incest thing again which has been a steady theme in the in this cycle of franco films you know yeah yeah, it gets weird because there's like a you know whole crowd of people in that room, and they're just all kind of casually discussing how she took her son's virginity. Because who else is going to show him how to do it any better? And they're like, "Oh yeah," and the, the the response to that is the the hot black chick being like, "Well, because you have lovely breasts." And it's talking about Lena's tits, and Lena's like, "No, yours are lovely." Right? And it's like that's magnificent. She says, "No, yours are magnificent." Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and she's like, "Don't be so, don't talk that way," you know, like. But it's like, I mean, you you just 
told everybody that you you divergenize and you fuck your son and their reaction <laughs> is well you have great tits so i mean hey. <laughs> it's so weird that's the whole weird thing about the franco thing <laughs> it's like if you start talking it out that's why i was laughing just like i was sitting there going she's sucking all these guys fingers and everybody's just sitting there watching like wow this is like fucking you know I'm seeing mankind born before my eyes or something. It's like big fucking deal. She's sucking a finger, you know, it's like, yeah, you know. but it's cool because in that scene, uh, <laughs> the black lady's wearing uh, the blue tube top and uh, Lena wore that in the last film. Uh, El Sexo El Loco. I noticed that. God, you're, yeah, your eye for fashion is. Um... <laughs> well, well, watching these films back to back, it's cool because you see the same outfits. Oh, there's that. There's that. Because later on, too. Her husband, Antonio Nacaba, I mean, um, uh, Antonio Mayans, wears that white uh, robe that Lena's wore, the white Asian robe in a couple of films. I mean, oh, there's a, a Lena's white robe, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally caught that. That was funny. But yeah, so that's an interesting scene. So now he has the mother and son instead of the father and daughter, which has been the theme in the uh, um, mm-hmm. Eugenie and all those, you know, mm-hmm. the cocktail and, and- special and everything else. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, just, yeah, that's, that's the normal, the normal take, you know, I mean, is, you know, I had, can I just share that I had the weirdest thing. There's this kid who he's always talking to me about sex at work. And, um, uh, he, like since I'm approaching 50, like father's day is coming up and I have a couple guys who want to come over and have me call them daddy and all this. And, uh-huh. um, and, uh, and that, that's the thing is, is it's, it's, it's so funny because I, this kid actually asked me, he's like, he's like 28 or something, but he's like, well, do you, I mean, considering your age, like, do you like it more? Like, to, isn't it kind of strange for you to call a guy who's younger than you daddy? And like, do you like it more when they call you mommy? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, that's yeah, like, mommy says, yeah. like, no, I don't want to be called mommy. That's <laughs> super creepy, super weird. Like, I know, like, there's a lot of porn stuff that's like all about that, but like, I mean, there's a reason that it's usually daddy, not mommy. Like, it's super hyper creepy to like feel that. Even like, I mean, I have guys that are like, you know, decades younger than me call me, you know, tell me to call them daddy, and that's that's fine, that's fine, that's like normal almost, but like. Like the mommy thing, it's just just a level of creep with that that I just cannot like hang on like so many levels with. Well, what if they just said mom instead of mommy? (laughs) Worse, that's like you're a hot mom. That makes you feel even older. (laughs) Mommy is like at least like very young, which means I'm young. But like, well, you know, I mean, you have taboo. Mom is like I'm like some you know one of those like creepy like I I don't don't know. Well, I I mean, think about it though. If no, you were an adult about. film and you'd be a mother in your forties or something, so you're not, it's not out of the range, you know? I know, but that's, I don't want to be reminded of that when I'm having sex. Cause I mean, like, we're all, we're all still 29 forever in our minds, you know, our minds are, especially you know, if we sit in dark rooms where you can't see the person's face, that's even better. Yeah. And if you're looking <laughs> at a young boy that you're sleeping with, you want to just feel like you're, you know, I mean, I know they say you can't get your youth back by fucking it, but I mean, I'm still trying and it seems to work in the moment. And, but if you call me mommy, def, 
the whole like you know yeah game has just been dashed and so i just like was kind of tripped out that like that was the angle they took with this because i mean lena is still young and hot in this movie and it's really like and i know they they do make the point that she's you know young enough to be whatever but it still is like well but listen weird the whole like i'm his mom and i'm gonna take his virginity and it's hot but it's like this film is all a competition between the women. Like they're all like we talk about the the black woman who's a sexual surrogate. Then you have Lena who's the fucking well, I'm fucking Lena and I'm 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 fucking Lena. That's who I am, you know. And then she's like showing her <laughs> sexual <laughs> prowess. You know? So it's like so she said, Oh yeah, well fuck you. I'm fucking thirty one and I'm fucking my son and blah 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 blah. It's like okay, and this says Oh yeah, well, I'm a black chick and I'm fucking this old queen and, and I'm doing this and we're having sex parties. The other chick's like, oh yeah, well, I had sex with four guys and they fucking they raped me and I fucking liked it. And then they, <laughs> and it's like, they're all fucking trying to, you know, fucking boast up about it, you know, trying to bow up, trying to show off. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, 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 <laughs> okay, to be fair, like it, it, if you put it in that context, like Lena still, Lena wins. Well, She's Lena's like, Lena, yeah. okay, I see you all. I see your rape. Right, exactly. I raised you. I diverged my son. Top that, bitches. <laughs> so that shit goes. That's, that's, yeah. God, I love Lena. And one okay. last thing about I that party. Clarified the, the, you, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, and one last thing about that party. Uh, instead of an acoustic guitar player, there was a guy <laughs> playing like a string, kind of a harp thing in the back. I don't know if you caught that. Um, yeah, well, Daniel White does the music for this. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in the scene, you my see favorite. My, in the background. I just want to stress that Daniel White, whenever I see music by Daniel White in a Franco film, I'm like, yes, this will be the best of all the, like, th- that's always the best thing. To Actually, see. Franco played a lot of the the, the uh, organ on this film, the, the keyboards and stuff. So, uh, so most of that's Franco, especially that main theme of the, that reoccurring, you know, which is almost like a, if you listen to the theme, it's a mix of, uh, here she is, Miss America. Oh my you know, God. The whole thing is like, da, 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 da. It's, it has that same arc to it. And there's a couple of things I was laughing because I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, I'm Miss America. She's coming or whatever, you know, because they play that all the way through. But uh, yeah, so I was laughing about that. Um, hey, you actually tell me that stuff because like that's one of the reasons I like didn't. I, I always wanted to do audio engineering and not actually pick an instrument and like specifically play one because I, I even though like a no chord progression and all that I just I don't know people tell me the things like I don't want to know I, there was this one time I was at a Grateful Dead show and it was a it was New Year's Eve and um and and they had this massive drum drum circle and I was like talking to one of the drummers like how do they all keep in sync it's just amazing that nobody fucks up and he's like they're all doing the Adams family they were like remixing it but that was what they were all going off of and as soon as he said that then i heard it and i couldn't unhear it (laughs) (laughs) and that's what you just did to me but yeah nice (laughs) um so let's see we got uh we got bars in the bedrooms shot again uh we have a sailboat in the orgy room office which i caught there's uh oh yeah so one of my favorite locations in this film, and it so looks different on the outside and the inside, is the – so she goes in and she wants to have sex again with the same two guys. But this time it's four guys that are inside this hut. 
the outside of the hut is one of the most beautiful rock kind of cave things you'll ever see. And I was like, wow, that is like, and I took a picture with my camera. I'm going to post it. And I was like, that's where I want to live. And then when he goes inside the hut, it's this dirty fucking just scummy fucking shittiest play. I'm like, never mind. Like, fuck, it's totally fighting day, man. What did you think was going to be behind the weird rock? Like, I thought it would just be like a cool house because you walk in and it'd be like bedrooms or a spiral staircase or some shit. Not just shit on the fucking corner and just piled up of garbage or where it was in there. It's just, yeah like a cave or some shit you know rape cave yeah it was it was like a fucking rape nest basically because it was the fucking the beautiful outside and the inside just fucking scary rape place. nest i like that rape nest that's a good band name well no in my film love blade oh, it was 80s in a film i did love blade uh <laughs> i have a, a rapist nest that i built with like uh like tree limbs to be like a be like a nest and they bring this girl in and then these guys they're like the blackbirds and they're like raping her and then she kills them and shit and stuff. But yeah, so, so wait, rape nest. that was from a movie movie I did years ago. Yeah, you did. You did a rape nest. Yeah, a rape nest. Jason It's in the film Love Blade 2008, nine. That's a that's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> one, one more thing you learn, right, everyone. Jason exactly. made a rape nest. Yeah. And people actually like it. People still say, yeah, remember the movie where you uh, made the rape nest? The rape nest? Yeah. So uh, the rape nest. So then she has sex with the four guys in the rape nest. And then we see her after that, where she's just so fired up that she's like Lady Godiva, which is funny because I'm wondering if she's supposed to be Lady Godiva in this as well, because she rides naked on the horse and she's like kind of getting the orgasm, you know, by riding the horse naked. And uh, Lady Godiva was always very sexual and promiscuous, they would always say, and that she had sex with a horse and stuff as well. Or it had the horse above the bed or whatever it was. Well, I mean, she rode around naked, but only her hair covering her. Yeah. So that's what I was with this. It's like a nanny whale. And it's cool, too, because she's riding the horse and the sound effects of the wind. It's like a big fucking storm going on. You hear this wind and and the wind's blowing and she's just going back and forth, back and forth. And then Khan's watching her from the hill and he's blown away by this fucking whirlwind of sex that is Emmanuel or Cecilia or whatever she is. And uh, yeah, and she's, you know, and then she fucks him and then she takes his cape and basically walks around with his fucking cape on like, yeah, I killed him and fucking put his cape on and now I'm fucking, you know, even stronger. So that's why I caught it. <laughs> yeah. And I love how he inevitably, you know, falls for her, that guy. He's falls in love but they've already made the rules that they're not allowed to fall in love so right because he starts telling her hey i see through you i breathe through you everything's about you and she's like and she thinks about it for a second she realizes no she'll be disfaithful to her husband or whatever and, and not do that right thing but it's funny because i was laughing about that scene they actually had sex on the beach like the mixed drink so <laughs> yeah but yeah, that, that's, it's interesting that like that she's totally fucking this guy but exactly like she's thinking you know i'm gonna be unfaithful if i you know, emotionally get with this guy. So she tells him, like, I can't see you again. And, and then she lies to her husband and says that the horse ran away when she was swimming. And you see her kind of like wince when she says it because she knows that she just did something that's untruthful right. to her. She, yeah, she actually wasn't, wasn't true to herself. Um, and uh, he knows he figured it out. He wasn't that dumb. Exactly. And then, uh, so then we have, uh, let's see what I got left on here. Um, so it's interesting. So then, Basically, 
they have the and then so basically she gets trapped in her own fantasy where she's back with her husband where it's back to square one again where she's fucking him but she's thinking of Khan and she's not in the moment she's not connecting she's still she's back to being separated of what she desires and what she has in front of her and she's not putting the two together so she's dysfunctioned again where she's kind of like trapped in the thing and it's interesting the husband he has stripes on his shirt almost like bars as well and then when they're in the bed, there's like the bars in front of the bed. And so they show a lot of that caged um, symbolism, which I really, really dug in this. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we have another scene where she gets drunk and at the bar and gets naked again. And it's almost like that scene of um, uh, Succubus where she gets drunk at the party and the husband gets pissed off and pulls her out of the party. And he's done that in a few films where people go out and then she gets drunk and has to take her out of the way. Gosh, I mean, you're kind of like glazing over it. That was like a major scene. I mean, like the whole strip tease thing, because you you always love Jess's strip tease. And I mean, yeah, it's yeah. another. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll uh, uh, go over the list too. But yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, That's but, another strip strip. I mean, like she does this whole strip tease thing, and I mean, there's a whole kind of nuanced thing where like she's just kidding around at first and joking that the other girl, you know, wasn't doing, and then she's going to show her how it's done. And, She's just playful, but then it's like it gets kind of serious. And Lena kind of does her thing where like she's got the light on. Yeah, her. which is funny. Yeah, Lena's directing almost. Yeah, know. she like she starts kind of realizing like, oh, this is like a this is something. And so she starts like getting the light out and she's following her and you know, making it a whole thing. And they've got the sailor guys, you know, over there talking about, you know, well, look at this, you know, this harlot and she's just going off and just getting so extra falling all over people. And then she goes to her lover and starts kissing him, you know, and right in front of her husband and her husband has to break it up. And re- and he realizes that, you know, she's, she's broken their whole agreement to fuck, but not fall in love, which is like a dare, you know, because right. how do you do that? Like that, that's kind of the thing that like, it's a bummer about Jess's stuff because it's like, yeah, you're going to fall in love with other people. Like, that's just life. Like, you know, especially like if you've been in love for years with someone, you're eventually going to fall in love with somebody else. It's just, right. you know, if you've been nature, right. Yeah. But like, you're not supposed to, you're not allowed. That's still a taboo in this, this whatever. Just well, like utopian society. And sometimes the thought of something is can actually go through, even though you plan it all perfectly. Sometimes your plans don't come. But out. I mean, like, yeah, like the, the whole not being allowed to fall in love is like, a, that's just asking for a betrayal because you can't, no one can control who they fall in love with. That's the curse of love. You know, like we don't get to choose who we fall in love with. That's, that's the big joke on us in life. You don't ever have any choice. You just fall in love with who you fall in love with. It's you don't, you fall in love with people you don't want to fall in love with. It's just, and you don't love people you wish you could. That's, that's life but like that's you know so she falls well, in love yeah but also i think it's the individual too there's some people that can love and some people that can barely love and they could just don't give a shit and just you know do their oh there's tons of people who don't love yeah but like that's not i mean but but if you if you're capable of falling in love the trouble with that is that you don't have a choice right 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 you just fall in love with who you fall in love with but but, but they viewed it just life. like hey man we'll pick up these people in bars have fuck 
fuck them and then just come back and tell each other about it it'll be our own little fantasy yeah that that's always like the dream that you're right, just like right. you know we're only gonna love each other and we're gonna but like you have to evolve past that and realize like of course you're actually gonna love other people and you know it's gonna be like confusing and conflicting but that's just part of the whole polyamory thing but anyway um uh but yeah so she she you know goes and kisses the guy that she's crushed on and her husband's like none of that and then of course this leads to i don't know i know you like you like to direct the plot but this leads to when she gets raped um yeah like she 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 you know that she leaves their husband and they're gonna go but then the guys who saw her whole thing where she stripped naked and danced for the whole crowd and they all were like well she's you know as we said at the beginning asking for it <laughs> right that's the <laughs> second rape of the that's, film. that's kind of the 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 gist there you know like well she's this girl you know we're gonna have to give it to her kind of attitude and so they chase after her and uh you know, attack her and then they, they, you know, tear her out and, 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 you know, chase her into the, the jungle and have at her and all of that. And I mean, it's, you know, and it's a pretty brutal scene too, actually, because they yeah. have like grass all over her face and it's like a fighting and they're trying to s- spread her legs and arms apart. And it's, it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's yeah, a lot, a lot more differently. The first different, exactly. The way it's framed is totally different. It's a totally different scene. Yeah, it's not meant to be like where she eventually enjoys it. It's meant to be right. like this is like this is not a good thing for her. And it's and it's sort of yeah, it's it's weird how it's sort of supposed to be like some kind of like you know, tale of, you know, taking it too far and not, you know, like this is it's almost sort of like a this is what she gets for right. going That's off to to love it. and you know, and it's like it's not her fault. I mean it's just what happened. But it was like it, it it's it's messed up. But like she's just an innocent trying to have fun and trying to, you know, and but this is how it goes because this is how the world is and it's just kind of a that's a dark right. thing. Almost like the film Sinner kind of the same way a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then, yeah, she, so she, you know, she wakes up and, and of course we have the different versions where, you know, I've got the weird, you know, right. uh, uh, yeah. like, Oh, you're all right now. You're fine after your rape. And, but you had the more, sincere. but what's weird is though, he mentions that the husband said that, Oh, she probably will get a kick out of it, you know, and thinking that, you know, Oh, she'll probably enjoy it or this or that, which he mentions that the husband probably said that blah, 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 but he's here waiting for you. And, and then we had talked about, but what's weird is like back to the superpower idea I had, it's like the first rape awakens her superpowers. And then the second rape is like, you know, in the movie where the guy gets a bump on the head and now he has all the, he can speak another language and all this other stuff. And then he gets bumped on the head again. Now he's back to being normal. And it's like, that's almost a thing, you know, totally puts her back. To yeah. It actually, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. That's so, that's so spot on. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. She gets this and then she's like, going to be cured or something but i mean at the same time like she's not quite cured because like you know her man's gone so she hooks up with the hot black chick and right. she's all like you know they're like having their romance and he's gone and he's he's off with some woman and you know they don't know when he's going to come back is the you know what, what she's told and so she just spends her time with you know the beauty and then he comes back to her of course and he says you know you can go take it from here. Yeah, yeah, no, then, then uh, no. I mean, go go ahead if you know what he says because I actually don't know what he says. 
Well, uh, well, I mean, it's not it's her the Antonio guy. You know, he, he goes and and her her gay friend and yeah, yeah, know, yeah. In in my the one that I watched where he was all you know flaming about it. Um, he you know he's like, oh, he's here, and he says that you know he wants to to be with you and and he wants to see you and he still you know loves you but it's up to you and if you want to come down like he'll be with you but if you want to if you don't want to if you just want him to go away then he'll just leave and he'll never come back and so it's kind of like you know he says like he's here and he he tried to be with other women but it was all just to make you jealous it was all just to to give you you know to make you feel something but he misses you he loves you and and so Which part, is, she, 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 she kind of just, she turns to, you know, the black woman barely like, it doesn't even say anything to her. She's just like, ah, Hey, you know, like, so it goes. Her nipples are all sticking up and everything. Her nipples are all wrecked on the bed. You know, the black yeah. chair's like, wow, it's real hot. And Frank shoots her from underneath and her boobs are all big. And he's like, Oh, never mind. I'm just going to go run to this guy, you know, which is a really yeah. sad ending. I was like, it's very sad because she's yeah. back to where she was in the beginning and she was unhappy in the beginning. So, you know, well, I mean, I don't know if they actually like decide to only be with each other at the end. I don't. I, it, it seems don't, like though, like she was kind of ashamed to only being with him, and that she should only pay attention to him. And I mean, that's the kind of vibe I got off. Yeah, it was because at like, the very end, the flowers it, in the beginning are nice, and in the end, the flowers are all wilted. If you look, the the purple flowers are all kind of like funky, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's more stories to be told with their relationship, but. Um, you know, but yeah, at that stage, pretty much she's like, okay, I just want to, you know, be safe with you and all of that. I mean, after her traumatic and wild adventures, she just kind of wants to tuck in with her, her man and yeah, you know, have like that, but, and it's sweet. This is it's kind of a, that whole love endures kind of thing. And you know, of course you see them kissing and that's the finale or whatever and but i mean yeah it's 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 a little weird because you know you're supposed to be all about like pro free love but then it's like oh but if you're too you know open you embrace then, it too much yeah then you can be punished for being whatever you know yeah it's 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 a strange tale it's like it goes all over the place but it's fun it lets you ride with it and experience things that probably most people don't experience i don't know it's funny I it, it, I always like because you know my life I experience a lot of things and it always surprises me when I talk to people and they say wow you and so when I watch these movies I think like a lot of times justice is doing this so that people can live vicariously right no, exactly to- it's a it's a, yeah yeah it's a fantasy film you know yeah you know like what if you tried this but oh you're gonna go back to your husband yeah. don't worry what if you have sex with your son who has fucking fake eyes painted on <laughs> eyelids. We'll take you all the way there and then we'll reel you back to the yeah. not. There you go. So speaking of that, let's knock out this checklist real quick. So okay, number one, body of water. Definitely body of water. Uh number two, sailboats, and number three, boats. Yeah, we have a lot of those. We mentioned the the boat. Oh, I was laughing too. One scene where they show where she's looking at his boat at sea at the end. You can tell it's a stock shot because that scene of the boat has all these black lines through the image and it's all beat up and the rest of the film's all nice. So I was like, <laughs> no, it just wasn't, didn't belong. It was awesome. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Yeah, we, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, number four, palm trees. Tons of palm trees in this film. All over the fucking place. Uh, five, jungle sound effects. Yeah, in the beginning, you have all the birds and the fucking shit in the beginning when you first see the, the grounds and everything. Uh, number six, chained up person. No. I didn't catch anybody. You didn't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. Yeah, we mentioned she had mentioned in the bar. Uh, Lena, the scene with her son, that's a dance scene because she's stripping, taking the boob, you know, boobs out and doing the stage scene. Uh, number eight, club scenes dancing. We have the dancing, which we didn't really talk about, the two scenes of the kind of the uh, party that they meet. And then when they go to years later where it's a setup for him to get in a fight with a guy and then to get them fucking again, you know, like a little. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a little, thing. there's some dancing. So there's that number nine jazz music, of course, uh, number 10, excessive zooms, a, more of a zooming out, a lot of zooming out, but, and out of focus shots a little bit, not too bad. 12 mirror shots. Yeah. Uh, the black chick at the dinner party, getting naked with the guys, great sequence with that. Lena's face in the mirror, that thing we talked about. And there's one or two other ones that are really good. Uh, 13, mind control theme. Um, I don't know. That's It could be the whole rape awakening, maybe, is the mind control theme. Yeah. She's just taken off this thing where she's this is her new way, and she's and then she gets hit ahead and ahead again. Now she's back to being normal. I don't know. Probably not, but... That's reaching. Yeah, uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. Oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lena, definitely the magic tongue uh, and that and other people too, but mostly her. Uh, number 15, red light scenes. Didn't catch any in this. Um, no. 16, sheepskin rug. Not a sheepskin rug, but this kind of cool fur rug they have in the office, which is on the, where they have the big orgy. They're kind of like rolling around. Well, I didn't notice that. I copped, I, I was clocking that too and wondering yeah. if you might call that as close. Like, I, I kind of counted that. Close. I know cigar, but close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give that um, a half point or something. Masturbation with a C item or masturbate. I don't think there's really no masturbation scenes in this. All sex scenes, really. Uh, 17, mad scientist and servant. Not in this film. Uh, 18, fish tank shots, negative. 19, no talking parrots or talking animals, unfortunately. Uh, number 20, in credits, yes or no, yes. Uh, number 21, handwritten notes or signs. I didn't catch any in this. Uh, 22, spiral staircase, no. 23, inept cops, no. 24, belly chains, no. Uh, 25 kinks, tons of kinks in this. Uh, 26 great headboards. I caught just the uh curtains going up, and that's really the only thing. Yeah. And uh, number 27, this one I figured out, but we'll see if you agree or not. Okay, fear or desire. I came up with the fear of desire. <laughs> I like that. That's what I kind of thought about. That was that was my angle on it. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. Uh, just that guy playing that fucking harp thing at the party is all I caught. No acoustic guitar. And finally, 29, reading a book scene. I didn't catch any reading books in this film. Mm-hmm. They're all just be- doing their thing. So No, they're just being a book. Already, uh, we kind of talked about this earlier, but I'm going to add a new thing. Tell me why somebody should see this movie and why somebody shouldn't see this movie. Ooh, um, somebody should see this movie because it's just Franco Francoing Francoist. It's I mean, because I mean his whole thing, he's always doing the whole should we be monogamous or not? That's like his whole thing. And and I mean this one is like pervy as hell. And I, I mean, I think okay, this is actually I'll, I mean I can answer both those questions in one, just that you know, if you want to 
if you're as creepy and kinky as I am, and, you know, you're into that stuff. I mean, there's like, there's, there's, there's so many, like, I don't know, all the kids today probably wouldn't like this movie because it has, you know, rape stuff and incest stuff and all those kind of things. And they're all trained to like instinctively understand that that is, oh my God, so wrong. And of course it's wrong, but it's also just this like, creepy thing that lingers in all of us and nobody wants to ever talk about and it's just like you know i don't know i like that jess wants to like bring all of our yeah yeah bring all of our our deep dark like you know animal uh thoughts that we all because we all have thoughts like and as blondie says dreaming is free and, you know, I just think, like, this is him saying, like, let's just dream it. That's what, sorry. That's what movies are for. And, you know, like, you get to have this dream. You get to, like, have this, like, crazy fantasy that you are going to diversionize your son and he's going to love every second of it. And you guys are going to, you know, have to run off together because you have to have orgies with people who understand that this is your lust and this is, like, your precious desire that is above all else and all these like ridiculous notions that like you probably shouldn't maybe carry out in real life or maybe you should in different ways and maybe there's, there's so many but like just let it have its space let it let it let this woman get raped and love it let this happen no seriously like oh, I hear, I hear let you. this happen in film because it, exactly it, it's it, not it, happening in reality and like right. separate yourself from that acknowledge that this is a film that this is a movie and that that's okay for you to like explore and 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 see this so yeah that's that's my as far as like do and don't i mean i'm so exhausted with like the you know I mean, I was canceled off letterbox because I spoke I things that I think most people believe. And <laughs> it's like, as I, I'm just like saying, just be honest with yourself when you're dreaming, because we are innocent when we dream. Like Tom Waits says, you are innocent when you dream. Well, good. I think that should be a good uh, end for this episode. Because uh, <laughs> you pretty much nailed it, I say. Yeah, I say for me, uh, see it if you dig Franco really awesome amazing cinematography very fun stuff don't see it if you don't like things that take a while or that are very (laughs) if you like quick entertainment if you like your faster films definitely don't see this but if you got some time and you want to sit back and watch things it's definitely a cool hang on hang on i'm sorry to interrupt your monologue here but just real quick i just want to say like i masturbated to this several times as i watched it I wow, okay, yeah, not me. Took so. my vibrator out and I enjoyed myself. So the whole notion of like it took too long, it actually doesn't take long if you're jerking off. So maybe try that approach. Yeah, I see. And I'm looking at it as an editor because I'm doing <laughs> editing right now and stuff. So I go, well, they could have trained they could have trimmed this thing by this and this and this and still, you know, so that's the part where I'm thinking at. But would know? that person have had time to come? Yeah, that's true. No, you're right, you're right. You have to ask yourself these questions. Yeah, I guess when you think about films, you got to think about, wait, let me leave enough time so people can jerk. Well, I, I guess, yeah, if you are making a sex film. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what is the point to this scene? The right, it's not, it's not a taxi off. driver or something, you know. So let the viewer have a moment to get into it. To That's true. You're right, you're right. Enjoy themselves to get there. And 
relish that time. Okay. Right, because that's what this film is built for, is to learn and then also to jerk off to, you know. It's clearly, I mean, it's, it's meant Right, it's a sex film, yeah, I mean, there's, there's Give you that. creative license to imagine and fantasize and... I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to override your time. Go ahead. That's no, cool. Your monologue. I just wanted to. So, um, so are you going to go for some uh, Uber rides after we end this podcast tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have that app field, so I don't have to. Right. <laughs> Hi, oh, literally. No, no. Yes, right. they, come, they Uber to me, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that's the, the magic. Filled. Keyword Woo-hoo. filled. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, 2022, they will Uber to me. That's the magic. There you go. No, I, no, I mean in the film of her just getting getting raped in the back of the car. That's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's going out of the town. Oh, I've had so much sex in the backseat of cars. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, I couldn't even... I, I could, I mean, like, I probably have had sex in the backseat of cars more than most women have had sex in their lives. So I, I, I'm good with backseat of cars that's like a whole there's only so many positions well there's a lot of positions to be fair but it my point is that like yeah that's that, I'm, I'm good on right. the back seat of cars. and also about having sex in the back seat it's easier if you don't have a spare tire no <laughs> <laughs> sorry but i'm bunched it's gonna be here all night well it's always <laughs> in on a laugh so bonus noches Maha. Wow. <laughs>